All right, folks, welcome into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I am your host, Jared Mueller. I hope you are doing good on this Wednesday, March 17th. And what we know, it is the official opening of the NFL season. It's the NFL league year, all of those kind of things. And that starts at four o'clock, even though we know a ton of things that have already happened and a ton of things that are going to happen even between now. I'm recording about 745 a.m. and four o'clock when that league year actually starts off. We know there still will be a lot of deals to come. Uh, We already broke down the John Johnson uh, deal for the Browns, uh, one of. Uh, a lot of people, including Pro Football Focus, uh, their favorite signing has been John Johnson, uh, looking at him both for what he does on the field, uh, what he does as a leader, what he does for communication, and then just literally as a player, John Johnson, his fit with the Cleveland Browns is seemingly impeccable. Uh, so a great move for the Browns. The other move we have is the Browns have signed or uh, intend to sign, I think is the official terminology that people are supposed to use. Uh, Tack McKinley. Tack McKinley. If that name sounds familiar. Obviously, you know that the Browns tried to claim him like five times last year, and I'm over-exaggerating by, I think, one. I think they tried to claim him four times last year. Unfortunately, that uh, did not work out. They were not able to claim Mr. Tack McKinley, former of the Atlanta Falcons, um, last year played four games total for the Falcons, started four games, had one sack, had eight combined tackles, one tackle for loss, seven quarterback hits. Uh, numbers are not uh, overly impressive for Mr. McKinley, uh, but six sacks his rookie year, seven sacks the, the following year, uh, three and a half sacks uh, last year or the year before last, and then last year a lot of injuries dealt with, which led to the former first-round pick being let go uh, during last year. And then he kept failing physicals and and didn't play a game. Uh, I believe he ended with the Raiders, uh, but he was you know kind of all over the place in between his time in Atlanta and then signing with the Cleveland Browns this off season. So before we get into breaking it down even more, let's take a word now for our possible sponsors. Out of respect for their time. Alrighty, folks. So. Uh, Listen, Tack McKinley looking at uh, some of his grades uh, overall. uh, PFF has him as a 69.6 overall last year, uh, 69.7 in run defense, 63.4 in pass rush. We just kind of walk our way back through again, a 67 in 2019 with a 63 and a 65.5 rush and pass, pass rush grades respectively. Continuing to work our way back. They did not have him very good against the run in 2018, his second year in the league. Uh, they had him as a 57.9, but a 66.5 pass rush grade uh, for Tack McKinley. And then back to his rookie season, his best overall year, 67.5, 61.9 against the run, 69.5 against the pass. So what you're looking at here with McKinley, six foot two, 265, 459 speed uh, out of UCLA. He was the 26th overall pick. So the Browns, if they don't trade up or back from that pick that they have in the first round, will have two picks that were drafted 26th overall. And I don't know if they have any others. 
I'm just using that because I just now noticed that. But Tack McKinley, 26 overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons, looked like he was a, a breakout star in his first two years, right? The reality is, is this is a smart and uh, a move that you're going to see from the Browns moving forward, I think. You're going to see the Browns take advantage of or try to rehab players who deservedly had kind of first round grades uh, and were drafted in the first or second round, but for a variety of reasons washed out during or right at the end of their first contract. Jack Conklin is an example. Now, he didn't exactly wash out, uh, but his injury led them not to be able to pick up his fifth-year option, and they took the Browns took advantage of that. Tack McKinley, on the other hand, injuries last year. Um, there, there are some questions about whether he plays when he's a little hurt, practices when he's a little hurt, uh, those types of things. I'm sure many of you on Twitter have seen uh, the social media post that McNeil put up of, of his press conference. I believe it was last year, the year before, where he answered everything good. And then he was like, it's good. I'm good. Team's good. It's getting good. We're trying to be good. Uh, so it'll be interesting uh, if that was a sign of stress and frustration. I think one of the interesting ways that the the Browns may, and I've brought this up a few times, uh, may look to use McKinley is, is again, that Leo role out of Seattle. Dan Quinn was the head coach in Atlanta for uh, much of McKinley's career. Um, and so I think it could be a fit for McKinley to be, Again, that Leo pass rusher, that kind of thing, especially on a one-year deal, motivation can be there. All of anything, if you have, if there are concerns about any of that stuff, his one-year deal should help that process. But I think it's important to realize that really what the Browns did is they took a former Atlanta Falcon in Tack McKinley to replace another former Atlanta Falcon in Adrian Claiborne. And that's, that's kind of the wash. There is a $1 million difference in the reported salary. Right now, neither Spotrack or Over the Cap have uh, information about how that $4 million salary is set up um, and how it'll affect the salary cap. Like everything this year, anything could have a void year. So, you know, it's possible that they gave him a $1 million base salary, $3 million in a signing bonus. If they give a void year to that, uh, they can spread that signing bonus out over two years. So, um, you know, they're only paying two and a half million dollars this year for McKinley and then a million and a half next year for him, even though he would at that point be off the books. But for the Browns, you know, again, maybe there's some creativity, maybe there's some options there, uh, depending on how things move forward right now. Uh, according to over the cap, the Browns only have just barely over a million dollars in dead cap. Uh, half of that is for Adrian Claiborne, 500,000. Um, and then a little bit for Chad Thomas and a little bit for Austin, uh, Seibert. So, you know, the combined those two, it's like, yeah, kind of gets us right to, you know, that 1 million and then, uh, $8,602 according to over the cap. So not a lot of dead cap. It's possible, again, with those void years and all the different things that could happen, restructures, lots of things that the Browns could start to dip some toes in that dead cap. Uh, that's just the way it works in the NFL, especially when you're getting good. And that would happen if they decided to do a void year on Tack McKinley. 
And since we're talking about salary cap space, let's just take a look at uh, what both Spotrack and over the cap. I'm not going to pretend to know, uh, nor do they really provide the information about what deals are counted, what deals aren't counted. But currently on Spotrack, the Cleveland Browns are 15th in the NFL with $18.5 million in cap space. So the, again, it, um, neither of the, neither of these com- places have uh, Tag McKinley's deal uh, factored in because they don't have the information on the cap hit. Uh, so the Browns right now with $18.5 million, uh, just below the Ravens and Bengals, uh, Tennessee, Las Vegas. So interestingly looking up, the Jets have, again, according to what Spotrack has, 54, almost $55 million. The Jags at $47 million, the Colts at 41 Chargers at 38 Patriots still at 37 with all the stuff that they spent. Again, this is just kind of their estimates given the information that we currently have. Uh, If they didn't have enough information, then they haven't really uh, put that in. So just looking at teams that were good last year, the Colts uh, obviously have $41 million in cap right now. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have $30.5 million. The Kansas City Chiefs somehow have $30 million. I'm going to guess that uh, the Tooney contract is not in there right now. Uh, but again, we can only go with what we have. The Las Vegas Raiders, 26. The um, Tennessee Titans, 23. And then the Baltimore Ravens at 21. Browns at 18.5. Seattle at 17.5. And so on and so forth. So that's that spot track. And then over the cap, uh, salary cap space, uh, has the Browns at a very sim- similar level. Uh, they have a little less, $18.25 million. And again, similar teams with the Jets, Jags, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, all of those above. So the Browns still have some money to work with uh, today. So teams at the bottom here, uh, teams like the Rams, teams like the Saints, the Eagles, the Packers, the Bears, all of them are considered negative by both uh, tracking over the cap. All of them have to be at z- at least zero by today at four o'clock. They have to be. That's a requirement. Looking at this, it's very interesting to see a team that struggles like the Bears being over the cap. Seeing a team like the Eagles who had a bad year over the cap. The Falcons, the Texans, I'll say the Steelers who aren't very good, the Vikings, the Giants, like down at the bottom of this list are some bad team, the Lions, right? Down at the bottom of the list of who has salary cap space, there are a crap ton of bad teams. And now I know many Browns fans as the team struggled, really wanted them to spend money. But the reality is, is they probably would have stayed pretty bad if they had spent money because free agents rarely are impactful in that way. You know, you want free agents who kind of take the team over the top or you want to make enough kind of quality signings to go along with your really good players already on your roster. Free agency is not how you build a team. It's how you complement a team. But to have teams, again, the Eagles make sense, right? They weren't very good last year, but they were Super Bowl contenders years prior. The Bears don't make sense. The Falcons haven't been good for a couple years. The Texans haven't been good for a couple years. Injuries, lots of other things. Uh, I obviously don't believe the Steelers are very good, but they've been in, they've been good for a while. The Vikings wanted to be good, thought they were better than they are. The Giants, um, Dave Gettleman is kind of doing a John Dorsey. Like he's just spending and he's using money like Leonard Williams kind of uh, held them hostage uh, after they traded a third round pick. I believe it was a third round pick to the Jets to get him while he was still a free agent. Like those things don't go well normally for a team. The Lions, I don't know how in the world uh, they're so low on salary cap space for a terrible team. Uh, that's just the way it is. 
uh, with bad teams. So again, that's the listen. Salary cap space is what it is. The the cap is real and it's not real all at the same time. At some point, teams have to pay it off. At some point, you're going to have to cut players, right? Uh, the Saints cut Janoris Jenkins, cut Emmanuel Sanders. They've cut out kind of their middle class. So they have their high-paid guys, and then they're going to have a bunch of rookie deals or or really cheap deals. So there's, you know, that's just the reality of what the salary cap looks like. <clears throat> so moving forward, again, it is Wednesday morning. Uh, there is a high possibility the Browns have added a free safety. They were in on Shaquille Griffin at cornerback. They've been in on a number of edge rushers. Just did not make it work. Didn't happen. Weren't willing to put in. Weren't willing. Whatever. The players weren't. They weren't. Who knows about guarantees? You know, all of that kind of stuff plays a role. Did the players want shorter deals, longer deals, whatever, different than the Browns wanted? But at this point in time, the Browns have added two players. They think they've added uh, their top priority, which was John Johnson or a free safety who knows? It might have been Marcus Williams if he was available. Uh, it could have been Marcus May if he wasn't tagged. You know, all of those kind of things. But it or Justin Simmons. But it was John Johnson, and he is a great uh, free safety. Opens up a lot of possibilities with Grant Delpit and with Ronnie Harrison. Now, I believe they've brought in their third edge, still missing their second edge, right? Um, and then they believe in Greedy Williams as as a cornerback. Um, but their pursuit of Shaq. Uh, uh, Shaq Griffin tells you, A, they have money to spend and they're willing to spend it on the cornerback area. What'll be really kind of interesting to see is, do they spend that money on a slot guy? So a Brodney Poole or uh, a Troy Hill, someone like that. Because generally speaking, much like free safety, interior corners tend to come much cheaper, even though they're very, very valuable. Right, We know they're very, very valuable because we need people that can cover tight ends. We need people that can cover slot receivers. We need people who can cover backs out of the backfield, rush the passer, all of that kind of stuff. So somehow slot corners like free safeties, like guards, like right tackles are still underpaid for what they do on the field. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Shaq Griffin could play both. He's primarily an outside corner, but he can definitely uh, slide inside. It'll be interesting if the Browns are looking at specific players or if that's a sign of the positions they're going to continue to go after because there are a lot of cornerbacks still out there that could be helpful for the team. There's also a lot of defensive ends that are kind of that second tier, uh, whether you're talking about a Melvin Ingram or a Jadavion Clowney. Um, there just are. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, there is a variety of edge rushers. They just won't be paying out the nose for them. So there is a lot of players left for the Cleveland Browns to improve their roster. Will they go big? Will they take money that they thought they'd spend on edge or cornerback and go after a Curtis Samuel? Go after a Kenny Galladay. Now, I think Samuel would be more interesting. Uh, Fit-wise, I think Galladay would make things more complicated at times. Um, not Again, talent is talent. Uh, Galladay is a little older for going into his uh, first time in free agency. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out for the Browns. But there are talents left out there. The Browns are aggressive. But, but folks, we have to be honest and realistic that the Browns, at some base level, addressed a big need, right? So one thing I've been putting out on Twitter, John Johnson takes uh, Andrew Sandejo off the field. Great. That's a huge upgrade. Can't there's I don't know what other bigger word you want to use, gargantuan, humongous, whatever. It's a huge upgrade. The return of Grant Delpit takes a linebacker off the field, 
which is a good upgrade, should be a great upgrade. Greedy Williams replaces Terrence Mitchell, who's gone. Andrew Billings replaces Larry Ogunjobi, who's likely gone. So that even though it's not a lot, and Tack McKinley replaces, at this point, Olivier Vernon, hopefully Adrian Claiborne, while it's not a, a ton, it is a good amount of improvements. There's a lot there for fans to be excited about. But fans are fans, right? Fan is short for fanatic for a reason. Uh, that's that's just the reality of how fandom works. And, and so fans want more. They want all the needs met. Fans want... Uh, an edge rusher, they want another cornerback because Greedy Williams' injury history. Listen, understandable. The Browns seem to be okay with, you know, they tried to get Shaq Griffin, but maybe it was not about cornerback, it was about adding talent, right? So a lot of times fans look at needs and positions, and so if they went after Shaq Griffin, would they go after this corner outside cornerback or this big-name cornerback? But the reality is the Browns could have seen Shaq Griffin as a specific player not a, oh, we got to go after that position. We don't know. We could know when we looked back, but fans want another edge. Fans want another corner. Some fans still think linebacker is important. Listen, with the way that the, the Bills and the Chiefs are built, it's all about passing. It's all about speed. It's all about having people that can cover. Uh, the, the Bills are adding Emmanuel Sanders to go along with Stephen Diggs, Cole Beasley, uh, there was another guy, just totally with a younger guy, uh, that's a, a big part of their team. There's a possibility. There's talk out there they're going to be in on the Zach Ertz trade uh, possibility coming out of Philadelphia. The Browns need people who can cover all those guys, all of them. They don't need a big thumper. They don't need another nose tackle. Like they need people who can cover those guys. The same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. They run the ball a ton. I'm sorry, they don't run the ball a ton. They throw the ball a ton. And they have players like McCole Hardman and uh, Travis Kelsey and obviously uh, Hill, Tyreek Hill. Like, they have a bunch of guys. The Browns need to cover those guys, right? So, again, it's all about priorities. It's all about focusing on the types of players that the Browns may want. As well as, again, yes, needs are important. But free agency is not the end of the conversation. Okay. The draft at some level isn't even the end of the conversation because we know how many trades have happened near or around or during or after the draft. We know that there are some free agent moves that happen, you know, once teams see their rookies and feel good about them, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, they release players, they trade players for some seventh round pick three years down the road, whatever it is. There's lots of moves still on the board, folks. So the Browns have John Johnson, the Browns have Tack McKinley, and the Browns have some opportunities to continue to grow their team, and that is what we expect to have happen. We may not know. Listen, could it be Jadavion Clowney? That would make a lot of sense to me. The same way that, and, and my buddy Jeff uh, Risden put it up, that I, I told him the Browns are going to sign Tack McKinley. Uh, what I told him was uh, Tack McKinley makes a lot of sense, right? Like, they tried to claim the dude four times last year. Like, if I was going to bet some money on who the Browns signed, it would have been Tack McKinley, right? And if John Johnson uh, wasn't available, um, I would have put money on Anthony Harris because they tried to, they wanted to get him last year and he got franchise tagged. And so that means Jadavion Clowney, well, he makes sense because, well, he's the guy they tried to sign last year and he's available again this year. Now, he's going to be cheaper. Uh, they're probably not going to, you know, go after him hard, multi-year, yada, yada, yada. But if they like Clowney last year, 
they probably still have a similar view of him this year. Maybe not as as good, maybe a a little bit, a lot lower. We had lots of reports uh, all over the place for subscribers. You saw Lane uh, kept you really up to date on kind of what those conversations look like. But if the Browns were offering 12, 14, 18, I have, you know, we don't know the specific number. We know it was high. They were offering a high multi-year deal to Jadavion Clowney. Well, they didn't get him last year, but this year, do they get him for seven? Do they get him for eight? Do they get him for 10, right? Over a year, two, three, whatever that number looks like. Uh, Does he decide to come here, right? Last year, I'll just be honest. I believe Jadavion Clowney has some trust issues. He had to deal with the whole everything with Bill O'Brien. He thought Seattle brought him in to keep him around, and they just kind of let him walk. And so he does have some trust issues. So going to uh, play for Vrabel, who he knew and could trust, makes some sense. I wonder if this year he has other priorities, other goals, right? So, again, he's not uh, that huge sack machine, but he could be with Miles Garrett on the other side. Or he could be, again, quarterback pressures, rushing, you know, stopping the run, all of that kind of stuff. He could be the guy chasing down Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. He's a big dude. He's got speed. He does a lot of things well. You don't want to just look at his sack numbers. I know those matter to people. Uh, Pro Football Focus wrote another article why, you know, a lot of times pass or sacks is not a good sign of a pass rusher. Trey Hendrickson, Bud Dupree, those dudes feasted on uh, either coverage sacks or unblocked sacks or just, you know, mistakes, those kind of things. Rarely did they win, right? When you watch Miles Garrett, he is such a focus of, of the offense that he rarely locks into something. Instead, he literally wins. He has to win to get in position to get a sack. Well, Hendrickson, uh, Bud Dupree, those guys often didn't have to win. It was a product of their motor continuing to go after uh, while coverage was too good, those kind of things. Or they just were unblocked because there were so many other players for the defense to cover. So, for me, again, I wouldn't be shocked by a Jadavian Clowney signing. He is rehabbing, so that may delay. Uh, I know he has a, obviously he's had injury issues for a long time. He might be delayed based on based on his rehab. Maybe him and the Browns or him and another team have already had a conversation like when you're healthy. Dot dot dot. I'm not predicting that. I'm not reporting that. I'm again. My goal is to be logical. So maybe there is a part of. For the Browns or for Clowney or for another team where it's like, yeah, when he's healthy, we have an idea, but we need to make sure he's healthy, right? Brashard Perryman, uh, John Ross is off the board. Um, there's, there's a few wide receivers still left, but maybe Brashard Perryman is another revisited name. Again, we want to learn from the past. We only have one year of Andrew Barry, so we're trying to learn. Tack McKinley was someone he went after four times last year. So I could predict the Browns were going to sign him this year because I didn't think anybody else, given his injuries last year, all that stuff, were going to have a, as much of an interest. And he obviously knew the Browns had interest in him. That was connecting the dots. Now, Lane? Lane wasn't connecting dots. For subscribers, Lane told you what was up. I could just connect dots. All of us did, could. All of us did. But if we had to put money on it, we would have put money on Tack McKinley. I'm connecting dots. To Jadavion Clowney, I'm connecting dots to Brashard Perryman. I'm connecting dots. Listen, the reality is, is I'm looking at who might some of these play, team, you know, players recruit. 
you know, Jarvis from Miami. I don't know if there's anybody. Odell Beckham Jr. from when he was at New York. Is there anybody? We thought maybe Von Miller because they're working out together. Well, that didn't happen because Denver picked up his option. Both the guys from LSU, I wonder, you know, do, do they recruit any random LSU guys? Because, you know, they're pretty loyal to that, you know. So, again, who knows? But I don't think the Browns are done. But I think fans have to take a deep breath, as it seems like I need to do today. <sighs> Just yawning a little bit, folks. Sorry, I worked out this morning. A little tired, but we're here for you. The OBR will continue to have you covered. Um, I'm going to try to, if my energy allows and time allows, try to get you something with just looking at some names, trying to get you a feel for where we're at based on all the reports. There's a lot of players. I've seen reports of like 150 or some odd number of players who have committed to sign other places. So a lot of movement already, and it's time to continue that. So we say goodbye to Terrence Mitchell. We say goodbye to Kendall Lamb. Um, we've said goodbye to Adrian Claiborne. We might say goodbye to Olivier Vernon. Who knows? Maybe they bring him back for the last two games of the season and into the playoffs because that torn Achilles takes a while. But we're going to say hello to some people. So we start out saying hello to John Johnson. The Browns have now tacked on a little bit of extra on their edge with Tack McKinley. Maybe he can be reinvented in Cleveland under Joe Woods, maybe in a Leo role, maybe as that third pass rush oriented edge player. So if they get clowny, or somebody else, Dunlap, Ingram, whatever, and one of them moves inside during pass rush, or Miles Garrett moves inside, and they're on the outside. Lots of options there. But the Browns are better. And the reality is, is one of the reasons they're going to be better for a while is continuity. They have a team that's going to be together for a while. The alignment between Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, all of that stuff is huge. So they're going to get better just because of that stuff. Now they're getting players as well. So we'll see. It's great to see that John Johnson took less money to come to Cleveland. I don't know what Tack McKinley did or didn't do, but I know John Johnson did. Let's see where they go from here, folks. As always, I am your host, Jared Mueller. This is the Orange and Brown Report podcast. Get a hold of everything at theobr.com, on Twitter at theobr, and you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And as always... Please, 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 please take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.